so let's jump right in. Let's jump right in. So what what stands out to you? So okay, my, right off the bat, I was just gonna say this out loud. I think that this is a typical typical feast where the readings and the feast day seem to coincide to where it almost is likely that you could preach on the topic without even touching the reading. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, especially like with, um, with the gospel, it's, it's one of the great moments of the gospel, Jesus on the cross with the, um, with the repentant thief. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think, yeah. So I just gave this talk the other day about the call of the king. And we've uh-huh. got all of these images in our minds still, you know, to this day of, of what the king, what the, just that title, king of the universe, like, holy moly, we expect so much, you know, this powerful dominant force that's just going to come over and destroy anything that stands in its way. And here yeah. we have the king hanging on the cross. Hmm. And who is he talking to? Uh, but those that are, uh, the soldiers. And this thief. Yeah. Like, and those are the people that he's hanging on that cross for. Like, right. that's such right. a role reverse, reversal. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's power. That's might. That's what the king has come to do. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think, uh, I, I focused also on, you know, Jesus's role on the cross mm-hmm. and just thinking about how, uh, what, What's on full display on the cross is his show of mercy to the repentant mm-hmm. thief. Um, and so, you know, the traditional language of the cross is the the throne upon which Jesus, from which he reigns, you know. Um, you know, and what does he pronounce? He pronounces words of judgment mm-hmm. that are salvific, right? Words of judgment of mercy, uh, which as king, he rules from his mercy seat. This is the seat of mercy that he is you know that he's giving giving out doling out mercy yeah. to criminals from the vantage point of the cross so there's this beautiful connection of the cross to the throne the cross to the mercy seat uh jesus reigning you know and and doling out justice from the cross yeah and and you know um, it comes full circle as well it's it's the cross it's the tree of life it's the the redemption of what happened at, from our first parents you know, the tree, right, they, right. they ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil and were, um, cast out of, Condemned. Yeah. of Eden. And then right. that stump with, of Jesse was attempted to flourish, but still couldn't quite make it. And now finally, right. Right. finally with the wood of the cross, that tree is, is grown once again. Yeah. You know, I think you could, you could go at this. I think you, with these readings, especially the first reading in the gospel, I think you can approach this in one of two ways, and maybe they maybe they cohere at some point. But I think you could go about this in one of two ways. You could approach it as how does this feast, in particular, how does the gospel on this feast, what is how does it teach us about the nature of God's sovereignty and who is God that we this God that we believe in? What does it look like for Him to be a king? Yeah. Kind of like we were just describing, yeah. you know. But the other vantage point is to look at the first reading and to ask the question, what is what is the role of human leadership mm-hmm. uh, and what is just and good human leadership? Like on a feast day when we talk about God as king and we have temporal kings like David, what does it mean for human authority and human power to be good and just? Um, yeah, and I think the first reading maybe gives us a hint at that by pointing us to David. 
um, rather than focusing solely on God's sovereignty by looking at late, maybe like the book of wisdom or something or focus on a human subject, yeah. David. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. You know, and going back to this idea of this meditation of Christ the King, um, it's, I think so too often we, we, ign- we forget that first part of it. You know, when we, when we imagine this perfect, um, king that's all good and just wants to to do what's good for his people because that's well that's going to be who we are it it has to be in relation to the eternal king the king of the universe um yeah i need to think about that a little bit more like i i, I agree with what you're saying and i think there's a connection there that we need to not forget who well, we I get, are yeah yeah right and so how we can where i was become going with it this more like the king that's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I guess one of the things that I was highlighting when I was reading this was how in the second book of Samuel, you have the elders of the tribes of Israel coming to swear an allegiance to the king. But what I love about it is that every time that David is mentioned in this, um, you know, well, when David's character in this, is always in relationship to the presence of God. So, you know, for your part, the Lord has said to you Mm -hmm. um, that you will shepherd my people Israel. So David's role as leader and role as king is always connected back to God's sovereignty and God's presence among the people. And so like, you know, in the presence of the Lord, they, they anointed him king. So it's like, wait a minute. Who's really the king here? Right. Because, right. you know, that David is becoming the king in the presence of one who is mightier than he seems to be a contradiction. Mm-hmm. But it's the precise nature of human authority, as St. Paul tells us, that human authority gets all of its power from God who is ultimately powerful and sovereign. Yeah. So there's a there's an indictment here of human authority that's divorced from divine, divine, you know, power and divine uh you know, the presence of God, as the reading tells us. Well, I wonder, so now you've got me thinking, I wonder if we should be reading this first, um, from Second Samuel, this first reading, with a little edge to it, with a little bite. Because what you're describing is exactly what the prophet told the Hebrew people before they called on Saul. There's this wonderful dialogue between Samuel and, and God, basically, where, you know, he's saying, but but I'm your king. Why do you people yes. want yes. to elect some person? You have me. Mm. Um, right. And now right. we have that once again with, with Jesus. Um, mm. Yeah, no, that's good. I like that. You know, there's something to be said about how God concedes to the whim and desire of the people and gives them Saul. And then from Saul gives them David. And then from David onward with all the kings. But there's something really beautiful there that God all the while is conceding to their Mm -hmm. desire, but is ultimately the only king that the people need. And it's not until Jesus that that human line and that divine line of kings finds its fulfillment in the God. Right. Right. Yeah. It's got to come together. Um, It can't be just one. Well, I guess it could be just one or the other with God because, well, I don't know. I don't know. What do you think about that? Could it just be God? I think, yeah, it can. God can do it. Well, right, 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 right. I think absolutely. But on our part. I think that God, 
God does not save us without us. Right. Exactly. Is the principle exactly. at play, right? So that's sort of a principle in theology that we have to understand is that God chooses to save us with our help yeah. or with our cooperation. Yeah. Well, um, that's free will. And so, right. And so God concedes to the people of Israel a king and then works through that line. So this is the beauty of God is that, you know, even, you know, wanting a king is not necessarily a sin, but even sin God uses mm-hmm. to work good yeah. and that he can fold it into his his wonderful symphony of sound that even the sounds that we make independent from him can work into the harmony. Well, similarly, our desires for like temporal authority and power, God can work with that and he can bring good out of yeah. it. So was it in God's original design to have human kings ruling his people? I don't know. God's outside of time. But ultimately, God works it into the story, you know, in a beautiful way with our cooperation. Yeah. What is the, uh, what's the hymn? Sweet the timber, sweet the iron, sweet the burden that they bear. What are you? I think that's what it is. <laughs> no idea what From Good Friday. About. You know, Oh Happy Fault. Oh, okay. We're talking about these oh, yeah, instruments yeah, yeah. of torture and death and fallen nature as being happiness because right. they brought about redemption and the savior yeah. of mankind. You know, happy fault is on, that's on Easter Saturday. Yeah. It's the exalted. Right. Um, but you're right. It's that, that happy fault, right? So that even our sins and our desires that we manifest without God, God can use them to bring about good. So the greatest example of that is the cross, mm-hmm. you know, right. that this mercy seat from where Jesus reigns, it's a great paradox of the cross is that it's a sign of, great human injustice and it's a sign of God's greatest love. It's, you know, the sign of human weakness, but divine strength. There's all this wonderful paradoxical stuff there that God takes this instrument of torture and turns it into a mercy seat. Exactly. I'm trying to find that hymn now. I've got me worried about it. Got you thinking about it? Yeah, maybe. So, I mean, I was trying to establish that there's maybe uh, two different ways of going about preaching this Sunday. You could preach about human authority Uh or you can preach about divine authority from the cross. But maybe you can't divide those two. Maybe that's kind of the whole point (laughs) is that authentic human authority has to be rooted in the presence of God. Otherwise, it will automatically lead to idolatry, automatically lead to injustice. You know, without rooting it in the love and justice of God, then... Human authority is ultimately corrupt. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Um, and then also you can take the angle of how do we learn to be just when we look at our true king. And our true king is just most of all from the cross. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I found that um, that verse. So it says, faithful cross the saints rely on, noble tree beyond compare. Never was there such a scion, never leaf or flower so rare. Sweet the timber, sweet the iron, sweet the burden that they bear. I love that. Is that for Good Friday? Yeah, yeah, it's the uh, Good Friday reproaches that's um, sung during the veneration of the cross. Oh, wow. I've never heard that. Um, Yeah, that's really good, you know? So the instruments of torture sort of become glorified Mm -hmm. by, in this reversal, you know? Yeah, and you Um, know, that is kind of like our image of a coronation, like this, or ordination, this person is now changed into something. So because right, this right. tree held the body of Christ um, as it atoned for the sin of the world, um, mm-hmm. it's changed and it becomes the symbol of salvation. Right, right. You know what's interesting is that I'm just realizing now that the the good thief recognizes the kingship of Christ from the cross. Yeah. 
Like there's, he says, Lord, would you let me, Jesus, remember me when you enter into mm-hmm. your kingdom. Like, you know, maybe we could fill in the gaps in the story. Maybe this guy had heard of Jesus before. Maybe he had seen him work miracles. But there's something about the way that Luke tells the story that this is the first time we've met this man. And yeah. presumably he's seeing Jesus for the first time hanging there. And he recognizes his divinity. He recognizes his kingship mm-hmm. from the cross. You know, maybe that's the point of Luke here yeah. is that only from the cross will you see his true kingship. Well, and we get that in other moments, like um, when he, well, any of his post-resurrection um, appearances, they don't recognize him at first. And then specifically mm-hmm. with the disciples um, on the road to Emmaus, he's recognized in the breaking of the bread. Right, um, right. Yeah, no. There's a lot. There's a lot of beautiful stuff that happens there. Like even even on the the Passion Week verses of Luke, but also if you go into John, like you have all this wonderful stuff happening in the in the Gospels of, like with Pilate in John's Gospel. It's like who's really an authority here, right. right? Like, you know, who's sitting in the Praetorium? Who's inside? Who's outside? Like, is is Pilate in charge or is Jesus mm-hmm. in charge? And you know, my kingdom is not of this world. Yeah. So there's a lot of great stuff there in that the reversal, like you're saying, in the resurrection, we expect the king to look a certain way and to behave a certain right. way. But he, su- he surprises well, us. Well, and the know? soldiers are even mocking him along those same lines. If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. He's yeah. not just yeah. saving himself. He's saving, well, kind of what the uh, the thief says, save yourself and us. Yeah, yeah. Like, he's actually going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah. No, that's good. I mean, ultimately, and it's in the title of the feast, it's a feast about Jesus, right? right? Who who this man, Jesus is, who is the king of the universe. Yeah. Um, there's a lot to be preached on in terms of like our expectations mm-hmm. of who Jesus is in our life. Um, do you want Jesus to be the kind of king that comes in on the white stallion and just destroys all of your enemies? Or is he the rough and tumble king that picks up a sword next to you in battle? Like... Yeah. Which what's the king here, yeah. you know? And is he the king that lays down his life for his people or is he the king that waits behind, you know, all of his soldiers so that he doesn't get hurt? You know what who's the king of the universe here? And it's Jesus on the cross, yeah. you know, bloody and broken. Well, yeah. And what do you th- So I'd hate to not say anything about this wonderful um passage from Colossians, this wonderful him that we we'll do that we say all the time. Well, I'm asking you, like, because it 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 get becomes so cosmic, and I guess okay, King of the Universe literally is cosmic. Um, mm-hmm. So how do we connect that with this man came to Earth and died for you and for me? Right. Well, this image the of the invisible versus uh, before yeah. all things, but in him all things right. are held together. Yeah, but immediately <laughs> right before that, right before that, um, by his blood, <laughs> you know, yeah. we have received redemption. Yeah. So there's an immediate connection there to the physical, yeah. the yeah, yeah. the touching earth, you know. Yeah. Um, there's blood. There's blood and there is death. And through that, there's redemption for the forgiveness of sins. So, you know, again, the cross is the, it's the lynch, it's a linchpin between, you know, it's the hinge point between the cosmic. Yeah. And the imminent, you know, the universal and the particular. Yeah. You know, Jesus is king of the universe, but he's also Lord of my life, mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah. But you're right. I mean, like, he who is before all things, 
um, holds all things into being. You know, he's the head of the church, yeah. though, and the church is a very yeah. human institution. Yeah. But again, going back to your, um, you know, to to wondering how do we look at this? Even in this in this um, letter of Saint Paul, he talks about be, he delivered us from the power of darkness and transferred us to the mm-hmm. kingdom of his beloved Son. Like him yeah. doing this for us, I think that's still an important. Um, that's a very right. kingly right. thing to do. Yeah, yeah. No, that's good. That's good. I think part part of the problem with a feast like this is that is it too much? It could be also a good. Was is what too Just much? Just everything. Like, can a homily? There's a lot. Can a homily say everything? Should a homily say everything? Yeah, I don't think so. Um, but I think there's also like. Yes, you're right. It's there's a lot to take in in terms of the imagery and who is Jesus and who is Jesus. Who am I? Relative? It's the whole gospel, right? Um, the other part that's difficult is that a lot of us don't really have a living concept of kingship. Mm-hmm. So, like, I think most of us have like a mythic yeah. or an idyllic image of kingship. Yeah, so, for Arthur example, or Aragorn. Yeah, Arthur Aragorn, but even more recently, like. For example, just this weekend, the third season of The Crown <laughs> aired on Netflix, oh. right? So like, you know, so you have this very idyllic image of a very human, but also a very idealized, romantic, um, luxurious queen that, yeah, it, it sort of raises the question is, is God a sovereign like she's mm. a sovereign or is God's kingship somewhat different? Yeah. Um, I don't know, it raises questions there, I think, for a lot of us who come from very democratic like I live in a country right now where there's a king, but the king is very much a figurehead, much like in the mm-hmm. in England. And God's not a figurehead, right? You know? <laughs> so right. like, you know, God gets in, God gets in the muck, yeah. you know. So, and that's part of our problem is that there's a lot of, I think the biblical image of kingship needs to be re re, you know, brought back mm-hmm. into our imagination. And I think David is a great way of doing that. Absolutely. Um, you know, he's a shepherd, he's a worker, he's a sinner, but mm-hmm. you know, he's a lover of the Lord, yep. right? Like he's a man after God's own heart. Yep. Good. All right, man. Any parting thoughts? Um, yeah, just one, you know, and this may be a fun Twitter poll slash question to pose um, for feasts like this, where they are kind of thematic. Um, how heavily do you rely on just the homily to get that point across or, how are we able to emphasize the various prayers and even perhaps the hymns that go along with, um, with mm. this feast? Yeah, because they're very particular. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's a good question. Um, like on Good Friday, do I lean on the readings or do I lean on the fact that it's Good Friday and everyone already knows what we're here for? Right. You know? um, no, that's a good question. I think for my, for my money, I mean, the readings this week are so rich. Like you could just spend... You could spend your whole life on this gospel, mm-hmm. you know? Um, Absolutely. So, anyway, uh, yeah, we'll put the question out there and see what people say. All right. Anything for you? Sounds good, man. Uh, anything for me? No, I'm good. I think that's it. That's all I got. All right. All right, man. Till next right. time. See you later. Peace.